Welcome back to another Adam Schefter podcast. Post-summer break, pre-football season. There is a lot going on, and today we will be joined by the 13th overall pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, a man that the Miami Dolphins selected after he was involved in one of the wildest draft nights in recent history, and he's now been with the Houston Texans the past four years, earning three Pro Bowl selections during that span. During the offseason, Laramie Tunsil signed a three-year, $75 million contract extension that made him the highest-paid offensive tackle in the NFL for the second time in his career. Laramie Tunsil will talk about the upcoming season and how high his hopes are for the Houston Texans. And then we'll be joined by somebody that I've been connected to for an awfully long time, since 1988. I was with him the day that he basically became paralyzed. His name is Alan Brown. He's the director of new partner engagement at the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, where he has served more than 12 years. And there is nobody that you will meet who is more inspirational, has a better attitude than my friend, Alan Brown, who's helping to raise funds once again for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. He'll be by with an inspirational talk. But before we get to Alan Brown, and Laramie Tunsil, we have football and football news. And Sunday night, as I was sitting around, got a text from an executive in the NFL, and he said, it feels like football is back. And it feels like football's back because on Sunday alone, the Tennessee Titans signed Pro Bowl wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, and the Jacksonville Jaguars signed their franchise tight end Evan Ingram to a three-year deal worth over $41 million leading into Monday when there were questions about three franchise running backs, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, and whether or not they would get long-term deals. Well, as we know by now, none of them got long-term deals. And the questions we had asking whether they would get deals done now will turn into whether or not Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs will report to their teams before the start of the regular season. Tony Pollard already assigned his franchise tender, and therefore he's obligated to report to the Dallas Cowboys when they open training camp later this month. But Barkley and Jacobs have signed nothing. They are under no obligation. And because they haven't signed their franchise tenders, we're going to continue to talk about Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. My guess is all the way up until the start of the regular season. If I had to guess today, I would guess that we might not see Barkley and Jacobs again until the end of August. That's a conservative guess. They certainly will not be there for the start of training camp. They certainly wouldn't be there for the start of the preseason. And I don't think we'll see either running back until shortly before the regular season, if then. Now, if they don't show up in time for a game, they risk losing one game check, which amounts to about $550,000 per week. My guess is they're not going to want to miss that, that they'll be there in time for the start of the season, but that will be without having gone through training camp. On the one hand, that's good. No extra touches, no extra abuse. They come in fresh. But on the other hand, there's a lot of conditioning to make up, a lot of work that they'll have to do to get in shape. 
They'll have to get used to working with their teammates. Josh Jacobs has a new quarterback in Las Vegas and Jimmy Garoppolo and lots of questions that they will have to answer. And so, again, the questions shift from whether or not they get long-term deals to when they will next show up with their respective teams. And I think it will not be until the end of the summer at the earliest. All right, one team that doesn't have any franchise questions or any issues like that right now, they've been through enough in the recent past, is the Houston Texans. They have their starting offensive tackle, Laramie Tunsil, under contract to a new three-year, $75 million contract. And when we think about it, who's had a more interesting career than Laramie Tunsil? We all remember that draft night situation where the social media images of him surfaced while he had some type of gas mask on, smoking, and it turned into him sliding in the draft, but then winding up in Miami, now in Houston, and he's really established himself as a leader of that organization, as one of the best players in all of football, the Texans' Pro Bowl offensive tackle, Laramie Tunsil. Hey, Laramie, you're wiping the sweat there. You in Houston? Is it that hot? No, I'm actually in Alabama, and it's just like Houston, bro. It's just like Houston. That bad, right? It's that bad, trust. You know what? I'm in New York right now, and it's bad here on the East Coast. It's hot in New York. Oh, my God. It's very hot, very humid. And you know what? I, I'll tell you what's always amazed me. It's always amazed me to watch you guys in camp in Houston or Alabama, <laughs> particularly in certain places, when you're putting on all those pads, and there's not as much hitting these days as there was back when I first started covering the league in 1990, but right. it amazes right. me to see what you guys have to put yourself through. Like, at the end of practice, I think I'd want to go to sleep for the next day. Don't wake me. Trust, man. Adam, we go out there and lose probably like 10 pounds in that heat. That heat is real, man. That heat is Are real. Are you telling me you lose 10 pounds per practice during the summer? I got some players. I got some teammates on the team right now that lose 10 pounds after every practice. And it's straight water because, you know, we got to hydrate because of the sun. You know, you get out, get out there in the sun, you're going to lose 5 to 10 pounds easily every day. Sure. Do you have to modify your diet during the summer at all to account for all that? You got to eat a lot. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you a great story from training camp when I used to cover the Denver Broncos, and I'd have three meals a day with them, and I loved it because we'd eat at University of Northern Colorado. All the meals were prepared, and everything was pretty healthy. So I remember being by the dessert table, and there were these signs that said "Giant Health Cookies." I'm like, what's better than Giant <laughs> Health Cookies, right? So I have a giant health cookie, and it's so good I have another one. Like, they're so good. And I went over to Hal Brown, the director of dining services at the University of Northern Colorado, to commend him on the giant health cookies. I said, Hal, these are the finest giant health cookies I've ever tasted. And he said, health cookies? They're Heath Heath cookies. Somebody put an extra L in the the side, and I was eating giant Heath cookies that were delicious, Larry. Absolutely. I know you enjoyed it, man. I know you. So tell me this. You had an unbelievable offseason. You signed a three-year extension for $75 million. You host your first football camp, youth football camp in Houston on July 15th. You set up a dinner in Houston with J.P. Morgan Chase and entrepreneurs. You take mother's shopping, being that you came from a single mom on Mother's Day, a shopping spree at Nordstrom's, a spa day, Dinners at dinner at Eddie V's with you. I'm sure you traveled. What was the highlight of your summer that now is quickly coming to an end, Laramie? <laughs> quickly coming to the end. I'm glad you stated that one. But um, all of it, man. 
you know, signing the contract to be with the team I wanted to be with, the Texans, and, you know, doing this uh, entrepreneurship dinner was a good one. The single moms was a good one. You know, I just, I, I enjoyed it all, man. Traveling, I actually traveled to Tokyo and spent about eight days out there, and that was a blast too, man. So everything I do in the offseason, man, I'm going to enjoy it. Eight, eight days in Tokyo, what was that about? Eight days in Tokyo, just went down there just to visit, shop, you know, experience Japan and see how it was, and I had a blast. Bro. Had you ever been there before? That was my first time. Well, you know what? This ties together training camp and heat and everything because the one time I went to Tokyo with the Denver Broncos back in the mid-1990s, I call Tokyo a three-shower-a-day city. <laughs> oh, absolutely, because you walk it everywhere. You walk it oh, everywhere. My. <laughs> and it is humid beyond words, right? Like, I was showering in the morning, in the afternoon, and before I go to bed because it was that stifling. Was it that way for you? Absolutely, man. Shower three times a day, for sure. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. And so what comes to mind when you reflect on your thoughts and think about everything that you've been through, Laramie? Everything that I've been through, you know, let's start from the draft night to this moment here. You know, I said, I said, I came into the league, you know, everybody was already doubting me because of the incident. And then I had the chance to to set the record twice of being the highest paid offensive lineman I did, so... You know, just reflecting on the things I've been through and on all the things I accomplished and look forward to accomplishing. When you think about that draft night for a moment, right, and all the places you've come, you become the poster boy for overcoming something that night. What enabled you to go from that night where you're projected to be a top two or three pick right, right, right. to sliding down to Miami spot, right, and still now going on and killing it in the NFL as a business person, off the field, and as a player? Man, it was just, that night just gave me a lot of motivation. It'd be great. And that's all I need. I just needed the fire. Just a little fire under me, you know, to get things done. Off the field, on the field, and off the field. And I did, just to show you, just to show the person who I really am. You know, just on and off the field. I just needed a little motivation from that that incident that I had, 2016 draft night. What stands out about that night? Uh, nah. <laughs> what stands out? I, I actually, uh, I actually, uh, I had an article done on the, the draft night. I think I had it dropped in 2021, and I actually told him what stands out about that night was I had got a call from uh, Chip Kelly, and I think Chip Kelly at this time was with the 49ers, and I think they had the fifth pick, right? And Chip Kelly called me. And he asked me all these questions like. You know what happened? Why did you post this? Why did you do that? And I'm telling y'all, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the video. Like I didn't post it. Like it's a mistake. It won't happen again, right? 
we sat in silence for at least three to five minutes. He told me, he was like, well, I hope this don't mess with you now. You hung up the phone. <laughs> that, was the, that was the craziest thing. When that happened to me, I was like, oh, man, I'm finna slide all the way down. I don't know if I'm getting drafted. Like, all these thoughts are just going through my head. Like, I, like this was just a mistake. Like, this was meant to happen. Like, please, did somebody take a chance on me? And, you know, shout out to Miami Dolphins. They did take a chance on me. And I, I got to tell, tell you, Laramie, from a reporter standpoint, that was one of the craziest nights that I've ever experienced at the draft. Because it was like, it was so sudden and it was so unusual and so unprecedented. Right. And you were so hyped. You were supposed to be like the guy at the top of the draft, arguably maybe the number one overall pick. Exactly. Right? And then all of a sudden it winds up the way it does. And what do you remember about playing in Miami? Uh, I remember this, uh, the culture, you know, the culture and then how the guys embraced me when I came in the locker room. You know, they made me feel like they made me feel like home. You know, they, it was it was a brotherhood when I got there. You know, I had some great vets with me. I had Mike Pouncey, I had uh, yep. Jerron Bushrod, I had Brandon Albert, Juwan James. I had, even on the defensive side, on the defensive side, I had Dominican Sue. I had Cameron Wake. You know, I had I had I had vet leaders around me just to help me out and become to, and become the player I am today. And then you, when you get traded to Houston, which again. It's funny. I remember moments of your career very vividly. It was Labor Day weekend. <laughs> Labor Day weekend, right? And it was like on a Sunday night. Right. <laughs> Correct? Correct. I, without even looking up. I remember it vividly. A blockbuster deal. Lots of draft picks. Lots of players. A convoluted trade. Future compensation. You find out you're going to Houston and you think what? It was crazy. How I found out that I was going to Houston, a little backstory on that was... I was actually, um, I, I like I heard rumors, and I was I asked the GM and I asked the coach, like, is this true? Like, I'm getting a trade. Just let me know. You know, I want to be, I want to be like, give me a heads up. Just don't do it blindly, right? They was like, yo, listen, you're not getting traded. Don't worry about it. So I go, I go home. I think it's one of my off days, and I go home. I'm relaxing, and I took a nap. And my brother came. My brother came storming the room and woke me up. He was like, bro, you just got traded. I was like, bro, I know you're lying to me. He's like, bro, you just got traded. He showed me the phone. And I like I got traded to Houston, man. That was the craziest moment of my career, for sure. It, draft night and, get, and being traded to uh, a great franchise, actually, Houston Texans. Crazy night, man. You would equate those two nights. Can you draw any similarities between the two? No, it just happened so fast. I can say that. Those are two similarities. It just happened so fast. It happened just like that. But, boy, are you blessed because there are many get players who get to pl- go from one no tax state to another no tax state. They get to right. keep more of their money, Laramie. I'm blessed, man. I'm in a blessed. I was in a blessed situation for sure. So you've been in Houston now for quite some time. You've seen some low points. How do you assess where this organization is at today and what's in front of it? Let's let's talk about the high points real quick. When I got there in 2019, yeah. we had Deshaun Watson, yeah. JJ Watt, uh, Dan, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller. You know, we make it to with the second round of the playoffs, and we play in the Kansas City Chiefs, and we up twenty four zero. You know what I mean? I was at like, that game. I was at that <laughs> game. Yep. So crazy, like because we could have, we easily could have, like, I think our next game would have been Tennessee Titans, who I think we swept the whole season, and then when we would have been playing with the Forty ers in the Super Bowl, it'd have been crazy. But you know, things happen for a reason. But that was a high, you know, coming into that organization and and, and balling. That was like eye opening to me because and with Miami, I didn't really get to see that, but. These last past three years with the Houston Texans, it's, it's been rough. You know, we've been having three different head coaches. You know, they all be trying to 
change of coaches, but couldn't get it done. But now that we have D'Amico Ryans came in the building, a younger player, he used to play for the Houston Texans. You know, he did a great job at the D.C. with the 49ers. He's bringing that energy from the 49ers to the Texans. And we added some players, man. It's, the sky's the limit. It's some energy in that building, man, and it feels great. And we're going to get to that in a moment, but being that you referred to some of those other players who are phenomenal players, like there were so many standouts here in Houston, right? Like Deshaun, incredible when he played with the Texans. J.J. Watt, Hall of Famer. DeAndre Hopkins, potential Hall of Famer. We got some great people that you played with. When you think about all those guys, what stands out to you? What's something about them that people didn't realize? Maybe it's just one person. No, I, I, I always say this. I think it's one of my little – I need to make this one of my trademarks, but they was all dogs. They were, they were, they were all dogs. They always showed up to work and, and got it done. They was always professionals. And when it comes to it, like being leaders, they were those guys. Like if I'm looking to – figure out something, I'm going to J.J. Watt and ask for answers. If I'm looking to figure out something, I'm going to DeAndre to ask for answers, you know, because they was all leaders. They was all dogs. They showed up and they worked relentlessly and got it done. You expect Deshaun to bounce back this year? Deshaun is easily going to bounce back, man. We know that. Before the last time he played football, wasn't he the pass leader? Come on, oh, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's no question about that. I know he's going to bounce back. And why do you say that? This is worth ethic. I don't think a lot of people know how hard he works and how much he cares about the game of football. Like, he really cares about it. He takes it seriously. Every After every loss, he's coming into the locker room upset, trying to figure out, like, why we lost that game. He takes it seriously. Like, he takes it to the heart. And I know I know he's going to do great, especially with the receiving court that he got at uh, with Cleveland. Sure. Okay, you brought up D'Amico Ryans, your new head coach. And he is the man. He is a man. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a great leader, I believe, for your organization. Absolutely. What has stood out about him to you so far? How consistent he is. I know what I'm getting from D'Amico every single day. The same type of energy that we need, that I need, that the organization need, that my teammates need. He brings that consistent that consistent energy that we need. And that's why I appreciate the most about him because I know what I'm getting from him. He's bringing that energy. He's bringing, um, you know, he's, 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 and he also listens. You know, he's, he's a player's coach, of course, and he listens to what the players have to say. And that's very important in today's game. And look, you, the Texans have picked on the bottom for a while now. Has anything stood out to you as you watch the team during minicamp about the talent level on this roster? Don't sleep on us. Don't, and why do you say that? Don't sleep on us, man. We got some talent on the team, especially on the defensive side, on the offensive side. We got some talent on the team and you see it last year like you seen last year games like we fought to the end like it wasn't it was it wasn't like we was getting blown out like we fought to the end every every game so just don't sleep on us just don't count us out man just just watch the underdog work but you know what's interesting about that is people don't necessarily think of the texans that way anymore from recent seasons and yet here you are saying don't sleep on us right who are some guys that you think this year are going to get more attention than they've gotten so far. Guys that are flying under the radar, Laramie, and guys who will make a difference this year. I got I got one guy. I got two guys on the defensive side I can talk about right now. And that's our safety and Jelly Petrie. Baller, bro. Wow. Baller. Solid. Solid. He's gonna get to me in my eyes, he's the top five safety already and this is this is second year. And a lot of people uh, a player a lot of people don't know about is Stingley, man. Stinkley's oh. gonna come out. Stinkley's gonna come out and ball now. He was a, well. He was the number three pick for a reason now, or the number yep. two pick. One of them. Yeah. Taken ahead of Sauce Gardner. You know, exactly. Trust. Just watch. Just watch so the he, film, man. He's got it. 
He's a baller. And anybody on offense stand out to you that is going to make a mark this year that you think is ready to take the next step? Um, a lot of guys, actually. Because you know I'm on that side of the ball. I see it every day. A lot of guys. C.J. Stroud, Tank Dudley, uh, Dalton Schultz, Titus Howard, Kenny Green, Damian Pierce. I got a list I can go on all day. I can sign these guys all day because I see how they work. They care about the game of football, and that's what we need on this team to get it done. There is some talent there now that you mention all these names. And I just don't think that people think of the Texans these days like that. So, if people are, if you're correct and we shouldn't be sleeping on the Texans, it should be a very fun year in Houston, particularly when I don't think expectations around the city and around the league are as high as they probably are within the organization. Right, right. Right? Absolutely. Don't sleep on us, man. It's going to be a good season. And I got to ask you about your YouTube channel and your documentary <laughs> style series titled Protect the Tree, which offers a look at your other interests, uh, fashion, philanthropy. What are people going to see and what are they going to learn when they watch Protect the Tree, Larry? <laughs> so uh, let me give you a little backstory about Protect the Tree. So yeah, my team is called Divine Tree. It's a creative umbrella. It's a central hub that powers our pursuits and like sports music, sports training, fashion, TV production, anything. So that's my team. That's my back. So we got the name Protect the Tree from the, like, Divine Tree. So I'm protecting, like, left tackle protecting the tree. So that's what we got the name from, Protect the Tree. But, you know, I hope a lot of people tap into this uh, YouTube series, man. It just shows my lifestyle, me and my team. It shows, it just shows a day of life for Lambert Tunson, man. You're going to get everything. We don't, we don't hide anything, man. We show everything on that, that YouTube series. So, I hope, I hope you tap in and watch it, man. Just let me know how it is. Well, what was the idea of launching this? Do you want to go into TV one day? Do you want people to see what you're like? What is the idea behind this? Man, I want to get my hands in everything I can. You know what I mean? Football is just, football don't last long. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to see what I'm good at and, and do it now and do it early while I can. So do I want to go into TV? I'm not opposed to it at all, but. Let's see how this YouTube series do and see if it blows up and see if we can get a deal from, like, Netflix or Hulu or HBO, you know what I mean? Oh, see, that's what you want to try to do. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's the goal, always. We try to shoot for the highest. Always shooting for the highest. See, I, I think I got to turn over my career to you and have you manage it and launch <laughs> a YouTube channel documentary-style series like Protect the Tree. Do something with me so that I could begin to set up my post ESPN career one day, right? <laughs> Exactly. See, look at that. Look at that, man. <laughs> what should I be doing, Laramie? What should I be doing? <laughs> what, obviously, with you doing as much as you have from a philanthropic standpoint, from a business standpoint, from a broadcasting standpoint, in addition to you doing your own deal, what do you see as being next for you when your football playing days are done whenever that is, Laramie? When my football playing days are done... Yeah, what would you like to do? Anything with music, man. My my passion, my passion, what I'm in love with is music. No matter what it is, no matter what genre it is, if it sounds good, I love it. Um, I'm actually looking up to open up a couple of studios here. Open up a couple of studios, like in the big cities, probably like three or four. You know, do a record, a record shop, you know. A record shop, like with a speakeasy in the back, maybe. You know, have wow. some local, there are some local, local artists. You know, come back there and perform. I may do that in Houston or LA. I'm gonna do that in big cities too. But if I could just surround myself with music, I mean, that's the that's the ultimate thing. You know, maybe start a, a record label, Divine Tree. You know, record label. You know what I mean? Like 
something. You know, I'm trying to get my hands in everything I can. Who's your favorite artist right now? Oh, that's Who do you tough. listen to most often? That's tough. I got a plethora of them, bro. I got so many. From female artists to male artists, I got so many, man. But, of course, I'm going to have to give my baby a shout-out. Sade. I listen to Sade countlessly, bro. Sade, Erica Badu, uh, J. Cole, wow. Kendrick, Britt. I'm all over the place. I'm listening to jazz, Miles Davis. I'm all over the place, man. And what's the pregame? listening to like what's mm. the pregame listening to routine you get, you get somebody that gets you fired up or getting the right mindset for sunday listen to this adam so i come in the locker room i'm in it i wake up in the morning i come in the locker room i'm in the chill mood so i'm gonna listen to Shade, lauren hill jill scott eric badu you know a little jazz just to ease my mind and then when it's time to go out warm up you know i turn on system over down you ever heard of system over down yeah, <laughs> yeah I, told I, him, I told him a little system of down, a little Kodak, just to, just to get ready for the game. That's awesome. That's awesome. And who is the toughest pass rusher that you go against when this music is getting in the right mindset? Who's the toughest guy you got to go against? I always got to tip my half up, tip, tip my head off to this guy, Miles Garrett. To me, we've been battling, we've been battling since uh, 2014 in college. We've been battling ever since, and he still got it to me. To me, he got the whole package. He can bend. He got power. He got speed. He's long. You know, you, he's everything that you look for in the DN. And, you know, I always got to tip my hat out to Miles and give him to him. I think he's the best DN in the league for sure. Is Cleveland on the schedule this year, Lamry? Absolutely. Oh, that's, <laughs> hey, oh, that's it's, it's oh. funny because I think Cleveland been on our schedule since 2009, 2000, no, 2020. They've been on the schedule since 2020. Every so year. Every year. Every year. See, see if you if you could pump up this meeting with you and Miles for this season, then maybe people wouldn't pay as much attention to another particular storyline. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think they just uh, signed uh, Zendarius Smith, too. So that's actually going to be a good game. I can't wait for that one. You know, two extremely good pass rushers. You know, they got all the attributes that a DN need. And, and I can't wait to play them. Me and Titus going to have a good day against them. It's going to be a fun well, time. Laramie. Congratulations on your offseason. Congratulations on all that you've done and wish you the best with everything that you will do in the future. I appreciate you taking the time today. I wish you the best in training camp. Enjoy these final quiet days here <laughs> before the madness and the stress and the chaos Absolutely. all begins all again. The physical toll that you're about to go through, right? Yeah. I appreciate it, Adam. Thank you for having me on. Laramie, thank you. How about Laramie Tunsil? Pretty impressive guy, right? It's fun to get a chance to speak to somebody who's made so many headlines, had never spoken to before, and came away highly impressed with Laramie Tunsil and look forward to further conversations with him. All right, our next conversation is with my friend, Alan Brown. Alan's the director of new partner engagement at the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, where he served for more than 12 years. The foundation's a nonprofit organization dedicated to discovering a cure for spinal cord injuries through groundbreaking research and improving the lives of individuals and families impacted by paralysis. Brown has been paralyzed since 1988. Brown has been paralyzed since 1988 when he was 21 years old while he was lying in the surf in Martinique. The powerful undertow pulled his legs from beneath him, flipping him upside down onto the hard sand. From that moment on, his life was forever altered. Today, he'll be joining us to share his personal journey, of which I remember quite well as I was with him that day in Martinique in 1988.
the great Alan Brown. Adam, this is unbelievable that we're finally here and able to do this. Uh, and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, my friend. Well, I think you would be here if it wasn't for me, but you can explain to people a little bit about what you mean by that. So this all starts actually before me, Adam. It starts in New York City in 1985 when my best friend was paralyzed uh, in camp, my friend Danny Human, and he became a paraplegic. And growing up the way that I grew up in New York City was always to give back and never leave anybody behind. And Danny was in trouble. And I kind of came to his side like I would anybody. And in November of 1987, at Sports on Broadway on the Upper West Side, where probably many of us have hung out together, I had a fundraiser that raised $25,000 for spinal cord research. That money was sent down to the University of Miami, where Nick Bonacani and Mark Bonacani started the Miami Project. And I sent the money to Dr. Green. I go away on vacation to Club Med in the Caribbean with my best friend Gil Horowitz, and we're having a blast. About four or five days into it, we go on a bus, and there are bus buses that go to the beach. And you happen to be on my bus, Adam. And when we got to the beach, I did what anybody else would do. Beautiful blue water, sand, the breeze, run right into the water. And there you go. I remember that your sister Marnie was next to me in the water. And she had a little bit of tough time getting out. And you guys kind of helped her a little bit. While that was going on, I got flipped over. My head hits the ocean floor. I hear my neck snap. I'm under the water for about a minute, minute and a half, I would say. And I said goodbye. Uh, I couldn't breathe. I saw my life flash in front of me. Uh, I said, I'm sorry to my parents and my friends. And uh, the light was there. It was clear. It was quiet. It was peaceful. I saw my life flash in front of me. And I never lost consciousness. And next thing you know, you, my friend Gil, David Gitter, and uh, one other individual saw me floating there and pulled me out of the water as I washed up on shore. And from there, this is where it all started for me. And I just remember getting flipped over and lying on the beach and looking up at the sky and using a line from Fletch to Gill. And I go, it's all ball bounds. And I just was trying to use a little bit of humor to get it going because uh, I knew that I was in a lot of trouble. And that's where it began. You thought you were dying? No, I knew I survived. I knew it was time for me to get going and do what I have to do. Not why me. What do I do? How do I get myself back? Yeah, yeah and, and we're gonna and we're, and we're gonna get to that. But but I, that day, what I remember about that day, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. We get you out of the water, we pull you ashore. I, I got to tell you something. I can still see the scene right now, like in my mind. It is vivid, right? And I remember being there a long time, like. It felt like it had to be, and this is what I want to ask you, an hour or two hours before a helicopter came in and flew you off? Correct. And I knew from learning about spinal cord injury from Danny, I didn't want to get moved. And I remember all the speed bumps in that bus just getting to the beach. And the last thing I wanted to do would be bounced. And I don't know how long it took. I was in spinal shock. So I kind of really don't remember like time-wise, but I never lost consciousness. And I remember getting to the hospital finally. And a doctor pulls up on a motorcycle as I'm getting out of the, air, out of the uh, helicopter with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, a French doctor. And he looked at me as freshman, and I'm like, this guy ain't touching me. 
Um, and it was hard to get in touch with my parents. You know, my parents were in New York. They're Sabbath observers. Wouldn't answer the phone on the Sabbath. My friend Gil had to reach out to their family oh business to have somebody from the business run up and knock on the door and say, Alan's really in trouble this time. This is not just a hockey injury or Alan getting punched in the face at Studio 54 and going to Lenox Hill and get, you know, I was, I was a frequent flyer of the ER and I still happen to be, unfortunately, but this one was real. This is Alan was in trouble. They flew you to Martinique and then they flew you to Miami, correct? I, I was in Martinique for one night. They actually yep. they put my halo traction on backwards. So when they flew in from, so this is how it goes. My parents get the call. They call Danny Human's parents. Danny Human's parents called Dr. Green. Dr. Green sends the airplane down the next morning to pick me up. I remember we stopped in Puerto Rico on the way up to refuel. I remember landing in Miami, getting taken to the, to the hospital. And that's when I saw my father. He was there waiting. And, Danny was there waiting. And then I ended up uh, in the ICU for a long time, six weeks. And they, I got hurt on January 2nd, 1988. They operated on me on my 21st birthday, January 25th, 1988. I had 17, about 17 hours of surgery. And I now have nine screws and two plates in my neck. So literally, I have my head screwed onto the rest of my body. And uh, I never said, why me? I always say, what, what do I need to do for me and for others? And I've always kind of taken that route. That's been my, my motto. Never say never. Just keep on going. And I've been I've been blessed. I know I have a gift that this was done to me for a reason um, to, to do this for my community um, and to um, let everybody know that anything is possible. And I mean, Adam, we'll get into this a little bit, but I've had such great fortune to be in places that nobody can go and talk to people that nobody can talk to because of my connections. The spinal cord is disconnected maybe a little bit, but my, my, my phone and your phone, oh my God, what we can do with our Rolodex. <laughs> well, let me say this. Whenever, whenever there's any type of significant injury in the NFL in what appears to be a spinal cord injury, the first person to always text me is Alan Brown asking about the guy. The first person who continues to follow up about that injury until he hears that that guy is going to be okay is Alan Brown. And... Let me just also say that I have never, never met anybody in my entire life who has had a better attitude and perspective than you. You have made others feel better about themselves. You have lifted up other people. You have inspired so many. And you are an example for all of us in how you act and the way you live your life. And I truly mean that. I'm beyond thankful for that. And I use that as fuel because there's so many people that need help and I want to leave no man behind. I know how hard it is then. You know, when I got hurt, I'm not the one that got hurt. Everybody else around me got hurt. My mother, my father, my brother, um, and my community. And my community has stuck behind me for 35 plus years to make sure that I'm okay. And that I can go forward. And like I said, I, it's a gift and I'm so not close to done. I have so much work to do, but it's like, it's like, I can say this, it's in the tip of my fingers. Finally. 
Like I see it and I can feel the change coming for all of us. And the time is now for the Reeve Foundation who, I mean, one in 50 Americans live with some kind of paralysis. You know, MS, cerebral palsy, spinal cord injury, and the advocacy that the foundation does and the peer mentoring. We've given out $35 million in grants to other non-for-profits. You know, Christopher, I got a call when Christopher got hurt. I mean, I remember like it was yesterday. I remember going to Ranger Games with Christopher. You know, I remember when Christopher Reeve got hurt. And, and I mean, there's so many names from, you know, Dennis Bird to Mike Utley to Daryl Stingley. I mean, the game keeps getting, you know, it keeps coming our way. In the NBA, you get Sean Bradley. You get, I mean, you never know when it's going to be you or the person next to you. And realize that life is really fragile. How much money in your 12 years as the director of partner engagement at the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, how much money would you say you've helped raise for that organization to try to find a cure for spinal cord injuries through the groundbreaking research uh, that that organization does, Alan? Not enough. Not enough. And, which is one of the reasons that we have you on here today, um, you are going to be a part of the Golf Classic benefit for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation at Wingfoot. On Monday, July 24th, you'll be there. Yes, sir. I will be there. We, we, we were there last year uh, to raise money for the foundation. We will be there this year uh, as one of the heads of CAA, the co-head. Michael Levine is honored because of his connection, obviously, to your friend and all the connections that exist there. Um, so how would you like to see people help, Alan? And obviously, financially, please help. There's some give www.christopherreeve.org forward slash golf. I mean, that's what we're here for the golf tournament. Mike Levine, um, you know, he was in camp as a kid, and he was a camp counselor in 1985, and Mike remembers that. And the first time Mike told me that I ever raised or gave was to spinal cord injury. And Mike and I have had a vision for a long time to finally bring our worlds together. Myself, him, Danny, you, the, you know, our crew. There's so many interactions that we all have that just get involved. Reach out to the foundation. Run a marathon. Do it in honor of somebody. Look at the research. Look how we're giving out to the community. There's never enough money to kind of get, to, you know, for everything that we need to do. Our advocacy to make sure that People can get on airplanes. You know, my brother Daniel, um, as I think you know, Michigan grad, um, Daniel and I, when I did my second New York City marathon, I got stopped. And it was because they didn't want me going over the finish line before the lead runners. Well, you started me three hours before, so was I supposed to stop at American Trash on First Avenue and wait and have drinks with everybody? Like, seriously? So <laughs> getting, you know, that ended up happening, and then, you know, I ended up a cop stops me going to Central Park, and I'm I got a little aggravated and I threw an elbow at him and I ended up going out and taking off. And, but that led to a class action lawsuit where my brother, who, out of the goodness of his heart, we ended up making the New York City Marathon wheelchair accessible. And now the taxis in New York and, and the, um, the subways. I mean, this is all stuff that the Brown family has taken on. And we're now, the Alan T. Brown Fund is now part of the Christopher Nader Reed Foundation. You know, we're all in the same umbre under the umbrella, like, like Eric LeGrand, like Mikey Nichols. You know, those guys were all my teammates, and we all have to stick together. So whoever the person is in your community and they need help, reach out to us. Don't be afraid to reach out. I literally am getting both text messages, Adam, while I'm on the phone while we're recording this. 
a young mother in um, California, her 20-year-old son, over to a pool, and she's asking me advice. And it doesn't really stop, and you never know when it's going to be you. So know that there's somebody here for you, always. The foundation is always here to help you in any way, shape, or form. Uh, from a peer mentoring standpoint, the research is mind-boggling. As you know, I recently went through a clinical trial where they stimulated my yep. spinal cord. I was one of 65 patients around the world. And my hands are different than they were 34 years ago. Where I can hold things differently, I can feel things differently, I can lift things differently. And I only had a little bit of stimulation and this is going. This is where the research is going. My friends are getting implanted and there's a lot of stuff going on where, you know, it's going to be technology that's going to allow us all to live a much better quality of life, which is what Dana Reed wanted for Christopher and every one of us. And it's such a beautiful thing right now to have, you know, obviously I know you're friendly with Will. Uh, Will Reeve, Christopher and Dana's son, is just amazing. I remember being at Madison Square Garden years ago, and he was five years old, and he would stand on my feet to look over the boards where he used to see the Zamboni came out. Um, so, you know, I, I, I take all of this with a grain of salt, and I, I go through life trying to pull people in. Um, you know, Adam, I got hurt in the water. When you drop a pebble in the water, what happens? There's a ripple effect. Ripples. I'm the, I, I, I'm the wave. That came, that came out of the succession. I love that line. I'm the wave. The wave hit me. I'm now the wave. And I'm ready. To, and, and, you know, water spreads. And I'm here to spread a message and bring people in and do what I need to do to help my community. And I've committed my life to doing this. You mentioned the stimulation that recently enabled you to move your hands. What did that feel like for you, Alan? It was, it was a, a lonely four months of, you know, going through a clinical trial. I tip my hat to anybody that does, you know, go into these clinical trials because it's a lot of physical but yet mental toughness. Um, it was crazy. It was, I felt electrified. I felt um, jolted. I literally, my blood pressure, which is usually low, was normal. My pain, I live in pain all the time. My pain was gone during and in between STEM sessions. So there's so many secondary benefits that people don't see. You hear that Alan Brown and Danny Human and Eric Brown, we're all paralyzed. Some of us live in a lot of pain. And, and I don't think people don't really realize that. They think that, oh, he's paralyzed. He doesn't feel anything. He's sitting there. I feel like my legs are, legs are on fire every day, which is why I keep active and keep moving and swim and you know do what I need to do to kind of keep myself in as tip-top shape as I can as cures and treatments are out there, I need to be ready. I always tell all my guys, come on, stay in shape. You never know what's going to happen. You got to be ready to go physically and mentally for if there's something out there that you're interested in getting into. And, and you need to do it as aging with a spinal cord injury. I'm 30, you know, I get, I go see some doctors now that are taking care of me. I've been sitting longer than they've been alive. You know, it's like, you know, seriously. So I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ride this thing out as best as I can. But this wave is going to keep on going because I'm not going down easy, and I'm making sure that now, like really the time is now for us to make our splash. And I'm going to help make that happen. And the Reed Foundation is really the guiding light for the paralysis community. You mentioned living in pain all the time. What does that mean? What does that entail? Where's the pain? So um, from being a stubborn quadriplegic, I'm living my life the way I did. And I, you, I'm sure you remember me driving like, out to the Hamptons and getting them out of things and doing stuff and transferring and so on and so forth. My shoulders are kind of shot and I'm also fused in my lower back at L5 and S1. So I have a lot of hinges inside of me 
So I can feel the pain of sitting all the time. And I feel like my legs are on fire 24 seven, like literally like a burning sensation internally. So, you know, when I'm in the pool swimming, that makes it feel better. Uh, stretching, eating, eating right. Um, but it's mind over matter. There's nothing you can take for it, nothing you can do for it. Um, some people have it, some people don't. This is the card I was dealt, and I'm going to play it. How do you keep this in perspective? How do you not be a woe-is-me person? How do you not complain ever? How do you manage to push on when there are little things in my life that piss me off and I complain about all the time? How do you get your attitude the way it has been for years? Um, I, I take negative energy and bad things and I repurpose it into positive energy. It's fuel. Um, knowing that I have two kids in the hospital at 20 years old right now, that's, I, that's, not, that, that's killing me right now. Um, the positive attitude, um, I, was, I was a tough kid growing up. You know, I grew up on the streets of New York City on the Upper East Side. Uh, you know, I had to learn how to watch my back and do stuff, but um, it's a no-quit attitude. I was a hockey player. I was an athlete. I mean, I'm a New York Ranger fan. I mean, you know, I, I, hockey players are probably, and you know this from being in the sports business, um, hockey players are the most probably most gracious of all the athletes. They have a different attitude than everybody else. Um, and they also know how to give. And it goes back to, you know, the John Dempsey's book and, and the guys at the Garden and Messier, who will be with us on Monday. Um, and, you know, I, I, you got to grind. You just got to grind. You know, you can't, you can't take it and let it beat you up. And, you know, like I keep bringing up my swimming, getting in the pool, the half hour that I'm swimming, my half mile every morning, you know, Take it in perspective. Clear your head. Think about what you got to do. Take care of others. Leave no man behind. You know, these are all positive things. Green lights. Like, uh, things going forward. Don't get stuck going backwards. Um, and then know that there's always somebody worse than you that needs your help. And there's a lot of time, you know, I, I, I go to the hospital here and there for dehydration and infections. And um, one of my old girlfriends said to me, she's like, I'd be in the emergency room and, like, feeling like crap and just waiting to get, like, taken care of, but my phone will ring and I know there's a mom. And what happens? Hi, how are you? How can I help? I do it. Meanwhile, I hang back up. I'm like, you know, feel like I'm going to like pass out or whatever. She's like, how do you do that? And I'm like, that's, it, it, somebody needed me. They needed me. I could wait a little bit. You know, I mean, I'm not going anywhere. I could wait. So I always put everybody else ahead of me, but I keep my, but I make sure that I am, uh, that my mind is also where it needs to be so I can do this and I can serve. Like I have to serve and I could raise money and work with companies. And I mean, you know, I'm a quadriplegic who has marathons, triathlons, skydiving. I have a World Series ring. I mean, you know, I started at 790, a sports radio station in South Florida. I've worked with, you name it, from Billie Jean King to Tommy Lasorda to... Bill Parcells, Buddy Ryan, Archel, Dan Henning, Chuck Knox, they all lost weight on Slim Fast. Um, you know, it, it's, it's been a, a ride, and this ride's not over. And I, I know that the community for spinal cord injury, the Reed Foundation, we're, we're at that point where we're going to make a, a difference. And it's a, it's a strange thing to say, but we're going to put a, a, a footprint. A footprint's going to happen from what Reed is working on right now. It's going to be the beginning of the path 
to take these people to a better quality of life. And it's weird to say a footprint, but you got to start with one step. And somehow we're going to be that first step to kick everybody off. So I'm excited. Our, our, our team is amazing. Monday is going to be just beyond emotional with, you know, obviously, you know, the Wolpoffs, the Rubens, the, um, I mean, you just go on and on, you know, between Mike and his whole crew that we have friends with. You know, I remember Mike's first day or first week when he was an athlete and artist. You know, I mean, I, I met him and he's like, wait a second, you know Danny Human and is your brother Dan Brown that went to Michigan? Because my best friend was his roommate. You know, and it just kind of all kind of came together, which is why, you know, Mike and I and you and everybody on the 24th, we're going to come together and we're going to figure out as a team and to get more together, more impacted, more into the community, more into the corporations to get the, the money that we need to move our research initiative forward, to make sure that we're handling people on the other side from the standpoint of advocacy and getting taken care of right after an accident. So um, I don't know if that answers that question, but this fire just keeps going, my friend. Well, it's amazing to think that we were together in Martinique 35 years ago, 35 years. And the life that you've led in those 35 years is one of honor and respect and great admiration from everybody who's watched you do all the things that you have and you continue to be an inspiration and that will continue to pay off uh, on Monday, July 24th in a fundraiser uh, for your foundation again, Alan. Thank you, my friend. So uh, on a last note, uh, when I write the book, you're going to do my forward, correct? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be happy to do your forward, but it's gone from where I was going to co-write your book to now I'm just doing the forward. So I feel like you're icing me out and you're you diminishing mean? my role. You, 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 you have two phones. I can't believe that we're taking this much time right now. <laughs> we should write the book. I, I, I'm trying to respect the Schefter time. I know how that goes. I would yeah, love well, to write you know what, but we you. tried. We tried to write that book. We tried to write the book together and never really could find a taker. That This was, it had to be 17 years ago, I'm guessing. 15, it was 15 right? years ago and the, and the market wasn't right. That's when Adam Schefter was popping out his his books with uh, all your guys from the Broncos. So, uh, <laughs> but if you have time, let's do it. The world needs to hear that it can be positive, get together, and and I, I'm here to spread a message. This happened to me for a reason, and I I know it. And please reach out to the foundation if you need us. Don't, don't hesitate. And um, you know, I find it kind of crazy when you're on the air and we see somebody go down. Um, that knowing that we're really right there, kind of like with Eric Legrand when that happened with Bruce Beck and, you know, Tim Pernetti. Um, it just happened really quickly the way we get in touch with Eric's, you know, team that night. And um, you, by the way, are so beyond gracious when I get a phone call from a JT Brooks' father who broke his neck or a kid who's a this fan. And I, I have plenty of videos of Adam Schefter wishing people luck. Um, you've gotten me Elway. Uh, I mean, you've gotten me, uh, Peyton Manning and other guys to kind of do this and it's such a little thing but to a guy lying in a hospital bed who can't move or breathe or scratch his nose it goes a really long way and the fact that I can bring those little to people um, through you and other people I'm thankful for my network and my connections of being able to reach out to athletes and celebrities and 
things along those, you know, people along those lines to make a little difference in everybody's life going forward. Well, um, I'd be honored to write your forward, and I'm way, way more honored to be your friend of 35 years. And I appreciate you taking the time today. I thank you very much. I hope we raise a lot of money on Monday, July 24th for the foundation. And I will look forward to seeing you at your event. I hope you hit them straight. And there is my friend, the great Alan Brown. And one more time, for those who are interested, willing, he has a URL to direct donations uh, to his golf outing coming up on Monday, July 24th. It's at https backslash backslash give.reeve.org backslash golf 2023 or you could just go to christopherreeve.org backslash golf find alan brown find his charity outing and feel free to donate whatever you can whatever is in your heart he's an incredibly inspiring individual and we wish him the best with this event and all his future endeavors and that i guess is a wrap on our summer break right? It's all over. Teams are going back to camp. The Jets are going to be on hard knocks, begrudgingly, but they will be. Not going to be very happy about that. We talked about it before. You'll notice that when the NFL sent out a statement on Monday announcing that the Jets officially are this year's participant in hard knocks, nobody from the New York Jets was quoted because nobody from the New York Jets really wanted to take part in this. And as I mentioned on Get Up on Monday morning, Whereas we used to see regular scenes of players being cut in the head coach's office, we're not going to see many of those scenes this year. It still will be a tremendously successful show. People will be tuned in to see how Aaron Rodgers fares in acclimating to his new job, his new organization. But I think some of those behind-the-scenes looks that we've seen in other years with other teams are not going to be happening with the New York Jets this year because, frankly, the Jets are not a happy partner. They're going to let NFL films in. They're going to be professional about it, but they're not going to go above and beyond providing access that other teams have provided in other years because this is something that the New York Jets, frankly, did not want to do. So it will still be great TV, great theater, must-see TV. It just will not be the same type of hard knocks that we've seen in the past. When we speak of access, how about the quarterback series on Netflix? About six episodes in, two more to go. Patrick Mahomes, what a competitor on the field. Wow, love that guy, the way he trash talks. And Kirk Cousins comes off as eminently likable in this particular series. And people see everything that goes into being a quarterback and all the hard work it takes. And it takes an awful lot. Props to Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, and all the people at Omaha Productions who put together this great series that is now running on Netflix have really enjoyed watching it, made the summer break go a little bit faster, and gave us that taste of football that we all crave. There'll be plenty more coming up. Now teams are getting ready to report to camp. The Jets report in mass on Wednesday. Cameras will be rolling for hard knocks, and we'll be back in this spot next week with we assume with what we assume to be the news that the Washington Commanders will be sold to Josh Harris. We'll see whether or not that actually happens later this week at the owners' meetings in Minneapolis. want to thank our guests today, the great Laramie Tunsil, the great Alan Brown. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, for putting together another Adam Schefter podcast, and you, the listener, for tuning in again. Please join us again in this very same spot next week and every week 
for the remainder of the season as we bring you the latest insight, information, and interviews. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Be well and stay safe.